Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. What we're going to do today is start a brand new Christmas at Covenant series. Every year we go through some different angle on Christmas. This year we're kind of playing a versus angle. So it's kind of this versus that. And uh, today what we're going to talk about is anticipation versus disappointment. Because every Christmas season brings with it uh, various kind of warring things that are happening in and around us. In the weeks to come, we'll talk about joy uh, versus sorrow or wonder versus cynicism. And then Christmas Eve, when you join us at 3.30 or 5 o'clock, we'll be talking about light versus darkness. And so you can bring your friends, your family, your guests, and we'll be talking about light versus darkness. But today, anticipation versus disappointment. Uh, Maybe more than any other season, Christmas bombards us with anticipation and expectation. Uh, There are cute calendars with little countdowns, the the tiny advent calendars that have the tiny doors, and there's chocolate inside of them. I was getting begged for that at the store just a couple weeks ago. My daughter said, oh, we we need the calendar, though. How would I know? Yeah, we have a few of those already, thanks. Um, Signs and symbols are everywhere. The gifts are already showing up under trees, being begging us to shake and Maybe rewrap. You ever lift the tape up on a gift when it's under there just to see if you can get a little angle? My wife is a good rapper, so I don't do that anymore, but give it a shot. Meal plans are being made. Uh, family plans are being made. Travel plans are being made. You're trying to figure out how to get it all to work. And on top of that, you have traditions to keep. And I don't know, every, every kind of house has a tradition keeper. And one person who goes, I don't know, whatever. And the other one goes, no, we have to do it because we did it last year. And so whether you're going to tree lighting ceremonies or you're going to drive through and look at Christmas lights, my wife's growing up with, she said they would always get, they'd like get a, a pizza, like, you know, a Domino's pizza. They'd get a pizza and the kids would sit in the back seat and eat pizza while they drove the city looking at Christmas lights. And every year she's like, wouldn't that be fun to do? And every year I go, ah, oh, I really don't think that would be a lot of fun to do. <laughs> One of these years she's going to win. We've, we've developed other traditions. Um, Starbucks has special drinks. You have to make time to go get extra peppermint drizzle on everything. That's a thing. Uh, you have work parties to attend, end-of-year dinners to attend. You have all of the different things that you are expected to do. In addition to that, you're then guilted because Christmas cards are already showing up in your mailbox, reminding you you haven't done it yet, and you're feeling a little bit of anger at the people who've already gotten it done. As if that wasn't enough, you try to escape from it all, you get on your phone, you go, I'm just going to scroll through social media and blindly lose myself for a minute, and there you have Cousin Eddie and Aunt Gladys, and they are arguing over whether it's okay to say Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas, and then someone chimes in about it's Merry Xmas, except that's not okay anymore, and everybody's fighting, and you just kind of want to run. So you run, and you go do some retail therapy. You're like, I'm going to get out of this retail therapy. You go to the store, and then it is over, right? Music is everywhere. Everybody's having a holly jolly Christmas. There's a number on the sign as you walk in. There's X number of shopping days until Christmas. And you start getting panicky about that because there's a global supply chain shortage. I don't know if you've heard about this. Everything's slowing down. I ordered Pastor Nick a a birthday present for his mid-November birthday. I was like three days out, so I was really kind of stretching it, to be honest. But Mid-November, I ordered him a present. I got an email yesterday that says, we still haven't shipped it, but we know you ordered it still. We still have your money. And so just FYI, if you're ordering things on the internet for your Christmas, uh, you may want to do that yesterday. Anticipation. It's a thing. 
anticipation in the Christmas season works a little bit like heat in a car engine. Like, you need some of it for the wonder and the joy. Like, you need some anticipation. It's what the season is about. An engine needs to heat up to run at its optimal level. And yet too much heat becomes a problem, doesn't it? When your car overheats, you end up on the side of the road, broken down, feeling a little bit overwhelmed. The same is true for us in this season. The danger is that the event of Christmas can't live up to the hype that's created around it. And in pursuing the hype that the culture tells us to pursue, we get the hype and we lose the hope. And we end up, having created all this anticipation and expectation, we end up broken down, overheated on the side of the road going again this year, again? So what we're going to do today is actually develop a Christmas dashboard like you would on your car to make sure it doesn't overheat. And we're going to actually have three checks to keep an eye on. So throughout the rest of the month, we're going to have three checks you can keep an eye on. And hopefully this helps each and every one of us keep from ending up with that seasonal disappointment and with that breakdown on the side of the road. In order to get there, I'm actually going to just read through the familiar Christmas story. We're going to start with resetting by reading that story, and then we're going to bounce out of that and kind of go all over the place. But first, uh, Luke chapter 2, let's read the story, and we'll kind of do this for the month, and so we know where we are. Scripture says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. I'll skip the parentheses, verse 3. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, fiancé, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, it says, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned to glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told." Okay, so we've reset. Christmas story, kind of magical, kind of wonderful. So how do we take that and then make our way through the next month of life without ending up on the side of the road? We're going to start with the first check, actually. We're just going to say, check your direction. First check is check your direction. We've talked about needing to be upstream people around here. In the last few months, we've been talking about being upstream people. If you want to go back and listen to a a whole sermon about it, you'd say, I really wish I had 30 minutes about that. Great, go go for it. September 12th is the date we talked about being upstream people. You can learn all about it. Essentially, what that means is uh, Jesus was appealing to his followers that there is a mainstream, there is a way that the current flows, a way that seems right to men. And, And Jesus was saying, you as my followers are going to be living life upstream. So as the mainstream goes one way, you're going to find yourself fighting upstream. So Jesus invites us to swim against the stream, and there's very few seasons where that's more apparent than the Christmas season. 
The mainstream approach to Christmas, if you haven't noticed, it's a little off. It reads like a deep dive into the seven deadly sins, if you really want to look at it. Uh, lust is just a word that means over-desire. Uh, if there is an over-desire at Christmas time, I don't know when there ever is. I was, uh, I remember kind of the first, when I was a youngish adult, I remember Tickle Me Elmo was the thing. But there's always been a thing. Cabbage Patch Kids were the thing, and then Tickle Me Elmo was a thing, and then the Xbox 17 is a thing, and your kid wants an iPhone 46, but you got to get in line. And it's like, there's always a thing. There's always more of the thing. That's how Festivus was born. Okay, so three of you are going to get that. So you have lust, and then you have gluttony, because you overeat, and then you overdrink. We actually have a sign in my house. It's good my wife just left the room. We have a sign in my house that I think she actually paid money for that says Christmas calories don't count. <laughs> we lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Greed is in there. Wish lists and longing for more. Sloth, our productivity drops just a little in December, doesn't it? Another party? Sure. Wrath, envy, pride. You see it everywhere. Christmas is a big online comparison event where everyone measures their worth against everyone else's experience of the season. You look online and you see that the Jacksons went skiing again. Hmm. And then you realize you're spending another holiday in a frozen swamp. Hmm. Scroll down a little bit and you get, she bought him a Tesla. Hmm. One of our minivan doors won't open. That's cool. That's fine. No big deal. You know, you kind of just, you just work your way through the anger. Here's the deal. Swimming with the mainstream Christmas current guarantees disappointment and disillusionment. Swimming with the mainstream Christmas current guarantees disappointment and disillusionment. The beautiful part of this passage, among all the beautiful parts, maybe the best part is the shepherds are involved. The shepherds are involved. The shepherds are nobodies. But that's who God sent the angels to see. That's who he chose. God chose shepherds to be the very first witnesses and testimony bringers to the Messiah which is the highest of irony because in their own culture, a shepherd's testimony was inadmissible in court. They were so low on the cultural totem pole that they were not even, they could go and give testimony to a crime and they'd be like, it doesn't count, you're a shepherd. And God goes, guess what, I'm going to use shepherds. And they're going to be the ones that start to tell my story. And so God begins to build his upside down kingdom with the most backwards of first messenger. And so as we start thinking about how do we even enter into a world where we're living upstream, how do we, how do we approach Christmas with some countercultural mindset? It starts with the idea that God's using countercultural methods to even get the story out. And so the question for us becomes, who are you trusting? When we think about our direction, it really becomes about who the messenger is in our hearts. Who are you trusting to give you the message of Christmas this year? Who are you trusting to drive you further into uh, the season, whether that's in a heart space or a posture? Who are you trusting? And if you're trusting social media, you're trusting the culture, you're trusting the latest Christmas movie or special or whatever, then you can do that. That's fine. But if you're trusting the retail machine, then you're going to get what the retail machine wants you to get. If you're trusting... In scripture, if you're trusting in truth, if you're trusting in ancient things, you might actually find the ancient truth and the ancient joy and the ancient hope that's in the story. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, you want an angel. God sends a shepherd. God gives you a Bible, not an angel. And he says, I'm in there. Like we want the big lightning bolt aha moment and God's like, man, in 2021, it's still just in a book. It's still just in a book. 
And yet, once you get into the reality of what's in the book, once you get into the reality of what is in the narrative, once you get to understand that this was real and this happened and it's true and it's authentic, once you get there, it, it makes everything else pale in comparison. But what we want is something new and shiny and flashy. We want something with a screen and with a touch. And, with, and, and God goes, it's ancient and it's holy and it's quiet. And it's not going to wow your culture. But it's beautiful. Mainstream is enchanting and sexy, but it leaves you empty and broken down on the side of the road. Upstream is eternal and sacred and unexpected. And if we can lean into it, it shows us the fullness that we long for. This might be the Christmas where we actually find the fullness we long for because we say, I'm not going to rest in the mainstream. So what's your direction this year? Mainstream or upstream? The challenge is to tune out culture and tune in to God. Number two, second check we have, check your treasure. Check your treasure. Scripture says in verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. So she's on a roller coaster. She's a virgin teenager, pregnant. She gets uh, visits from an angel who tells her that she's carrying the Savior of the world, no pressure. Then with her fiancé, in a bit of shame and disgrace, they're traveling for the census where they find no place to sleep. So they're hanging out in the animal stall, and she gives birth there. The scripture doesn't say this. This is my commentary. I don't think the anesthesiologist made it in time to give her the epidural either. <laughs> this is like, because this is real. This happened. So we start filling in the scene of like, wait a minute. So she's, oh, she's 14, 15, 16. So she's something, she's, she's probably a teenager. A virgin, natural birth, animal stall, and we go, wait a minute, okay. Some shepherds show up to make it even better. The lowest of the low show up, and they marvel at her baby, and they then go and tell the whole town he's the Savior. And this has all happened. Jesus has only just been born. It's only going to get more interesting from here. There's going to be miracles and healings and then sadness and confusion and eventually a crucifixion and a resurrection. And so Mary is just getting on to the ride. And what we're told is she treasured the truth in her heart. Like in, in the very first moments of the ride, before she gets into the, the ups and downs of that season that's coming in her life, she treasures truth in her heart. That truth, glory to God in the highest and peace True shalom, the world is being put back right. The brokenness is being made whole. Peace has arrived in Jesus. And it says she treasured this. Here's what's true for us. What we treasure in our hearts will determine whether we encounter divinity or disappointment in the Christmas season. You have to ask yourself the question of what you treasure today of what you're after today, of what you long for today, of what you're going to focus on today, of what the, the source of your devotion is today. And you get what that is. Like, if you want to focus on your cravings and desires and material, and, that's, and there's nothing wrong with gifts, and there's nothing wrong with the holiday meals and drinks, and there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. So don't mishear me. But if that's the treasure, if the treasure, if the point is all of the stuff, you'll get the stuff. And then you'll end up wondering why it all feels empty. If it's Jesus, if it's like Mary, if it's Jesus, if it's the Savior, if it's the Prince of Peace, if the thing you want more than anything in life right now, if you're like 90% of the people I've talked to in the last month or two, 
What you want is, can I get some peace? Can we slow something down? Can, can the world maybe be a little bit less unpredictable and chaotic? Can I finally find a home and a wholeness and a peace? Can I find a center that I can just rest in for a minute, please? And the Christmas season says, absolutely you can. His name is Jesus. And he's always here. He's always ready. He's always willing. He's waiting for you. But it forces you to make the choice. What do you treasure? So this season is going to draw you closer to the God of the universe who loves you, who chose to be personal among us, who chose to be Emmanuel, God, with us. And if we will treasure that, if we will treasure him, then we have access to a Savior that satisfies The other option is if we treasure something less, we will gain something less. Third check. Check your posture. Check your posture. The same, uh, we come back to verse 19 again. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So she's treasuring the person of Christ. And it says she's pondering them in her heart. We're stealing all of this from Tim Keller from here on out. Tim Keller he has a book about this. He's multiple sermons about this, and I have his sermon archive, and so I'm always reading him to figure out what I'm supposed to know before I. And when, when he walked through this pondering idea, it's so brilliant. Essentially, the word ponder in the original means converse. It's like having a conversation. So, so Mary's having a conversation with herself about these things that she's treasuring. She's she's rolling them back and forth in her heart. Keller says it this way. He says it means that she went back and forth with the material for years and years. She discussed it. She not only asked it questions, but she let it ask her questions. This was the part that just blew my mind. She pondered these things in her heart, which means she not only absorbed the truth that was being given to her and the answers it brought, but she allowed those answers to ask more questions of her. That's a wild and profound thing. Truth always asks us questions. It it answers some for sure, but it always asks more than it answers if we're willing to be humble enough to listen. Truth transforms and invites further transformation. A diagnosis works this way. So I've been pretty open, my wife and I have been pretty open about her She's had like a GI thing for a couple of years now. And, and there have been multiple diagnoses along the way, and some of them have stuck and others have not. But like at one point they said, we think it's inflammatory bowel disease. And we went, okay, we don't know what that means. But it was an answer. We wanted an answer. And they're like, we think it's this. And so they gave us an answer. And so we had two options to what to do with that answer. We can, one, thank them for the answer and feel a little better that we know why she's in excruciating pain. But the answer, that, that truth, that it's inflammatory bowel disease is fine but it's incomplete if we don't do something with it. The truth asks us a question. It, only, it not only answers the question of why is she in so much pain, it asks the question of, now what are you going to do about it? And so what we did was six months on this weird diet and then two months on this thing and then we cut out that food and then we tried this medicine and we went through, the, and we went through all these different steps and we took all these different avenues because the truth not only answered a question, what is causing the pain, but it asked a question, what will you do with it now that you have the answer? All truth answers and asks. Mary is perfectly capturing this moment because it's, it's answering a question for her, but it's asking another one. What will you do with it? The answer we got was humbling. The question for us becomes, what do we do when we have the answer in the season? What do we do 
when we know that the reason for the season is Christ. We can simply receive the answer, nothing wrong with that. But if we have a humble posture, a posture like Mary that says the answer is not the end of the story, the answer is asking me questions. If we take a new humility, then we allow that answer to ask us further questions. We allow that truth to penetrate deeper. We allow ourselves to seek different transformation, more transformation, greater transformation. Pride says, I got the answer, I'm good. Humility says, thanks for the answer, I wonder what it means. So if we have humility, then truth becomes a catalyst for more growth. So Christmas isn't a season where we simply receive a truth, it's a season where we receive a truth that invites us into something greater. Whether it's your first Christmas following Christ, or maybe you're not even there yet, you're going, I'm going to check it out this year and see, cool. Or it's your 50th year or your 60th year, and you go, man, Christmas is just a thing. It just kind of go through the motions. Every single year, truth invites you into something greater if you're willing to be humble enough to follow it. Mary gets transformed by the truth of Jesus, but she ponders it. She rolls it around. She allows it to ask her questions. If this is true, what else must change? If Christmas is about Jesus, then that truth will transform us. Our Savior came for us, rescued us, and the question that was just on the screen. So Christmas answers the question of who will save us, and now it asks us a question, what will you do with the answer? That's the Christmas season for us. If we're going to actually be catalytic in the way we receive it, we're going to take it, but not as a thing to stash away and put under the tree. We're going to take it as a thing to open and inspect and then live out. If that's true, it's an if-then statement. If that's true, then what would it change about how you live? If it's true that God sent his only son to come and be the savior of the world, if God sent Jesus to Bethlehem, to an animal stall, to be born in poverty, to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, to be resurrected, if that's true, then it's asking you a question. How would it change the way you live And then it asks more questions if we begin to to work with that, if we begin to listen with our humility and go, okay, if it's asking questions, what else is in there? You might ask what your celebration of the season should look like. Not that you've been doing it wrong, but what, what might it look like to do it a little more right? It asks you what direction you're swimming this year. It asks you how are you training your children or grandchildren? How are you training your friends or your parents in the way that you give gifts? It's asking you, what do you truly treasure? What are you excited about in the season? What are you bringing forth out of the season? Is it fanning the flame of your faith? Is it it growing you in devotion and awe and wonder? Or have we lost sight of the thing that matters and the other things are driving us into desperation and disillusionment and cynicism? As anticipation builds, and it's going to continue to build, as expectations grow, we have the option of where we want to be this year. The annual disillusionment, it looms on the horizon. It's there waiting. The overheated, broken down, side of the road sort of December 26th exhale. Almost think of anticipation like a balloon. It gets blown up and blown up and blown up. And then... If it's not tied off and you release it, it just goes to... And you get that limp balloon at the end, and that doesn't feel real celebratory. 
I kind of think that's what most of us do with Christmas. We just expand it and expand it and expand it and expand it, and it's too big. We're afraid it's going to pop. It's so great. And we get to the actual moments where transformation can happen. We get to the moments where our hearts can be deepened and our souls can be stretched. We get to those moments and we don't engage those because we get distracted by other things. And at the end of the season, we look down and instead of this big, beautiful celebratory balloon, we have a kind of little piece of latex laying on the floor going, I wonder what that was supposed to be. So three ways to do it this year. Check your direction. Remember to check your direction. Am I living upstream or mainstream? Have I tuned into culture or tuned out to culture? Have I tuned into God or am I tuned out to God? Check your direction, then check your treasure. Your treasure determines whether you encounter the divine or disappointment. Finally, check your posture. As Christmas answers big questions about what this world is all about, allow it to ask you bigger questions. So as we center on Jesus, my prayer for us is that we would find deep humility as we consider a God who came to be among us, to save us, to redeem us. The prayer is, may this season draw us closer to his presence, where anticipation and expectation might actually find their ultimate fulfillment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are uh, expectant. This is a season of anticipation. It's, it's Advent. It's hopeful waiting. It's all the things that uh, we long for. So Father, as we, as a people, sense the coming of something important, as we work our way towards uh, family celebrations and, and getting to give good gifts to others, as we work our way towards a silent night by candlelight, all the traditions we love and cherish, God, I pray that you would keep our eyes focused on the things that matter, that you would that you would keep us focused on you as our ultimate treasure. God, draw us into your presence, draw us into your word, draw us into your truth, and then find us in such a place of humility, overwhelmed by your goodness, that we would allow that truth to ask additional questions of us. God, that we would find ourselves in more beautiful and more deep and more holy places as a result of the anticipation and the expectations of the season. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son and his salvation. We thank you for a season to recognize and remember and reset. Thank you for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Hi again. Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon, every Sunday, in person or online. Thanks for listening.